Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. What you're listening to here is an excerpt from a Q&A session following our recent Identity Theft Red Flags Rule webinar. You're going to hear Jeff Kopchick of the FDIC and William Henley of the OTS entertaining questions about the Red Flags Rule, its November 1 compliance deadline, and where banking institutions are in their efforts to meet that deadline. To hear the entire session, please register to attend an upcoming session of the webinar, which also features banking practitioners' perspectives on compliance, as well as results of our own Identity Theft Red Flags Rule Compliance Survey. This excerpt starts with me asking a question of Jeff Kopchick of the FDIC. Jeff, I want to throw this first question out to you, and then, William, you can pick up afterwards. You both have spent a lot of time among financial institutions of late. What do you find to be the two or three most frequently asked questions you're receiving regarding identity theft, red flags, rule compliance? Well, sure, Tom. Uh, There are two that that, uh, bankers seem to be asking me a lot. Um, And the first one is, are business accounts uh, covered accounts under the red flags regulation? Um, And there seems to be sort of some confusion about, you know, how an institution goes about determining um, whether business accounts should be considered covered accounts. Um, And as you know, they're not automatically covered by the reg, um, but if if the bank determines that they are the type of account um, for which there's a reasonably foreseeable risk of identity theft, either to customers or to the financial institution, then they should be considered covered accounts and they should be included um, in the institution's identity theft prevention program. So that's the first one. And the second one, I would say, is basically uh, institutions are probably a little bit concerned about um, what kind of shape they're going to be in on November 1st of this year, and they're asking uh, the regulators, well, what are the consequences if I'm not in compliance um, at that point in time. So we've had a lot of discussions about, you know, the tact that the regulators are going to be taking and what we're going to be looking for in exams starting uh, on or after November 1st of this year. And, hey, William, how about from your perspective? What are the questions that you keep hearing? Well, you know, we, we hear the same, too, that, uh, that Jeff has mentioned, but in addition to that, uh, we've received the question of which examiners will be reviewing compliance. And uh, what they mean by that, will it be included in the safety and soundness examination or the information technology examination or the compliance examination? And our response to that is, well, it depends on uh, the institution and how they've uh, implemented their uh, compliance program with the red flags rule. And uh, because they were encouraged to uh, leverage off of existing uh, their existing fraud programs or, and um, depending on how they have implemented it, that's how... Um, how we'll approach it, at least at the OTS. And, and I think each agency is still trying to work that out totally, but um, it definitely will not just totally be in the, the hands of, of any one uh, discipline or set of, set of examiners. But we're going to try to approach it with flexibility so that uh, we can match how they've implemented it with the uh, examination expertise of our staff. And then the other question is, um, Will, you know, will examining for compliance beginning absolutely on November 1st, as uh, Jeff kind of mentioned, or will there be a will there be a, a phase-in period? And, and likewise, uh, the OTS is with the other agencies. I think we're we're all um, uh, considering that or uh, addressing that how um, how that period that phase-in period will be um, will be handled. And then finally, the the third point would be: Can we use existing uh, programs for fraud or uh, CIP or information security? 
And uh, the answer to that is uh, absolutely we encourage the institutions to leverage off of their existing programs in the developing the, of their compliance programs for the red flags rule. Well, it sounds like there's been no shortage of questions. I mean, William, let me start with you. And your experience with the institutions, what do you find to be most misunderstood about compliance with a new rule? Uh, I'd say that November 1st means November 1st. That, um, that you know, we do expect uh, compliance on, on November 1st. Is, uh, Jeff and I both mentioned with the questions we've received, they, they've asked that, and then others have, have uh, just assumed that there would be uh, some type of uh, phase-in period. But uh, I, I wouldn't. If I were an institution, I wouldn't approach it as such. I would be appro approaching it to try to have my program in place uh, and, uh, and complete by November 1st. And, Jeff, from the FDIC perspective, what do you see as being most misunderstood about compliance? Well, I think that uh, the one that's hit me that I've gotten a lot is that uh, the rule is a little bit unusual in the sense that there are three distinct sections to it. You know, there's the identity theft red flags part, there's the address discrepancies part, and there's the change of address part. And what's a little bit different about this is that the scope section of each part of the rule is different in terms of who it applies to. And actually, each section applies to different types of entities. And I've noticed that some institutions are sort of confused about, well, you know, do all three sections apply to me? Does only one section apply to me? And, and how do they figure that out? And I have spent some time sort of, you know, explaining to institutions that, you know, for the red flags piece of the rule, it applies to financial institutions um, that are obviously regulated by the federal banking agencies plus creditors. But then there will be other financial institutions that, that are slightly different that may be regulated by the FTC. But when you get to the address discrepancies part of the rule, that applies to anyone who uses consumer reports, which may or may not be a financial institution. And then the change of address section applies even differently to anyone who issues credit or debit cards. So you really have to look at each rule individually and figure out whether or not it applies to your entity. William, I want to come back with something you said in your presentation. You spoke about some of the implementation challenges. Which do you find to be the biggest for institutions that you've seen, these implementation challenges? Well, from speaking with uh, representatives from uh, our institutions, it seems like resources, both personnel and dollars, have been the biggest challenge. The development of the program has required a lot of hours during a time in the economic cycle when there are a few available to be found. And uh, some... Uh, some say regu regulators uh, underestimated the burden, and to that we say maybe or, or maybe not, but we gave credit to the institutions for what they've already uh, done to authenticate online banking customers, detect fraud, protect consumer information. So our estimations were based on institutions being ahead of the game or having a head start in developing their uh, compliance programs. Also, funds for the development of the program may not have been included in the fiscal year uh, 2008 budget, and once again, given where we are in the economic cycle, dollars uh, seem to seem to be hard to find for some institutions to, to devote to their compliance programs. Oh, that makes sense. So Jeff, how about from your perspective, what have you seen to be the biggest implementation challenges? I think uh, from what I've heard from bankers, it's the coordination aspect of it. Again, an interesting thing about this regulation is that it's sort of overlaps different um, areas of expertise in the bank. So in other words, in order, in my view, for a bank to really do a good job of complying, they have to get people with different skills involved. So you probably need 
some fraud prevention people, you probably need some IT security people, you probably need some risk management people, you need some business people, and of course the, the more um, areas of expertise and people you have involved, you just have a, a larger coordination problem. Um, and I think that is a bit unique to this rule, the way it sort of overlaps different areas. Now, Jeff, we talked about November 1 as sort of the big date, but it seems to me that post-November 1 is a particularly big date, too. What do you see to be the institution's biggest challenges once that date hits us? I think, Tom, it's, it's probably keeping the, the programs and procedures up to date. You know, uh, I think what is sort of a natural progression here is that institutions work very hard over this year building up to November 1st, and they get their identity theft prevention program in place. Um, they get their procedures in place to conform with the other two parts of the rule if that applies to them. And then there's sort of this sigh of relief, and they think they're done. And they are in the sense of they've got the initial program, but, you know, fraud and identity theft keeps changing. It keeps morphing. And as the reg makes very clear, um, I, the, the institution has to stay up to date. And to the extent that threats change or the business plan in the bank changes, um, those programs and procedures have to be modified and changed to take into account new risks and, and new threats. And I think that that's something that institutions need to keep in mind. William, the same question for you. We've looked at the deadline as sort of a be-all and end-all, but there's a whole lot more after November 1st. What do you see as being the institution's biggest challenge? Once again, keeping the momentum going, uh, the annual report, um, comp compliance doesn't mean just uh, getting to no November 1st but it's an ongoing accountability requiring continuing updates to the risk assessment, annual board involvement, reporting, staff training, and uh, service provider oversight, including uh, contract updates. And all of these elements required for the day-to-day -day compliance beyond November 1st. 